Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. And I will not fight. TNT. I'm a power load. TNT. Watch me explode. Good day. Happy Tuesday to everybody out there. This is Andrea K. here with the Andrea K. Show. Glad to have you all joining with me here for another round of the Andrea K. Show. Got lots to talk about uh, today. Um, We've got joining me on the show here in just a couple minutes, we've got none other than the Pastor Daryl Scott from Donald Trump's Diversity Board. Going to be talking about all things happening with Charlotte and the the race relations situation, monuments being torn down. What's really that all about? The the attacks on President Trump, which I think are absolutely outrageous. And and it but to me this is all about, and I can't wait to talk to Pastor Scott about this, because to me this is all about a cultural Marxist play. That's what it was about start to finish. It was all about um trying to deny the First Amendment rights of citizens that had every every right in this country under the Constitution to assemble and to exercise their First Amendment rights. They Their First Amendment rights were illegally violated by a racist vice mayor. And then when that didn't work for them because the ACLU jumped in and, and protected their right to assemble, then the attempt came through bringing in and bussing in Antifa and Black Lives Matter thugs with the police doing a stand down. It's all meant to divide us. All meant to divide us. It's all meant to uh, upset the the continue to fan the flames of racial division going on in this country. You know, President Trump did not not only did he not create the situation, actually, he inherited the situation. This is a cultural Marxist play, just like we've had for eight years of, of President Obama, who he wasn't in office five minutes before he decided to blame uh, falsely accuse a Boston police officer of racism. And if I had been that cop, I might have had a dip when uh, when he Obama ended up being wrong. He did offered the Boston cop a, a beer. I think I might have told Obama another suggestion what he could do with a beer besides drink it. Then before any evidence occurred down in Florida, while we had a mob descending on a courthouse, we had President Obama saying if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon Martin. Obama was supposed to be the healer of the divisions in this country because we were healing. And what he did was he picked the scab off the wound. Okay, and and it was all about cultural Marxism. It was about tearing down this country, making America, as well as conservatives and Republicans, the bad guys. Got to make as many Americans hate conservatives and Republicans as possible. That's what identity politics is all about. And that's what Charlottesville was all about. That's why they tried to deny the First Amendment rights of the people down there in, in, in order to then bring in all these thugs. Of course, uh, it's only the people on the right, supposed right. Did you guys know that the supposedly the organizer of this Unite the Right was actually Jason Kessler, the same guy who was a former Obama supporter and the same guy who was behind Occupy Wall Street? Thank, hat tip to Dr. Porbin, who pointed that out to me yesterday. Multiple arguments, uh, articles he sent to me. Oh, I guess this guy supposedly became a Trump supporter in November of 2016. No, I think it smacks of this whole thing being about, again, more about cultural Marxism, trying to tear down. This isn't about tearing down monuments. It's about tearing down America so that they can make people blame America, hate America, think that America is fundamentally bad, blame the Republicans for that, smear Republicans and smear President Trump. That's what this is about. 
at no point. And and I can't wait to talk to Daryl Scott and see what his re, what he thinks of President Trump Trump's reaction. His initial reaction, I think, was almost on point because we did not have a one sided situation going on in there in Charlottesville. No, we didn't. So President Trump was right to point out that there was bigotry on both sides. Where I think he was incorrect was in two things. First of all, saying that this went on long before Obama. Yeah, there's been racial divisions going on before Obama, but I think he should have called out Obama for the for the race baiting that occurred during the Obama administration and the fact that nobody demanded President Obama denounce Black Lives Matter. Not only did he not denounce him, he invited him to the White House. Then he went actually after five police officers were gunned down in Dallas at a Black Lives Matter protest. Not only did President Obama not denounce them, he invited him to the White House. He actually went to the funeral of those, those police officers and pushed the Black Lives Matter agenda while their families were grieving. But Trump is wrong because he pointed out, see, you're not allowed to say all lives matter and you're not allowed to say all racism matters. It's one-sided. So when Trump backed off of that, appeased the left by specifically coming out yesterday and only sing, uh, singling out the KKK, and the other, I guess, the other white supremacists and not mentioning BLM and not mentioning Antifa, I think that was a grave mistake for a lot of reasons. First of all, you can't negotiate with terrorists. You can't give in to the bullies. We're going to talk about why his reaction to the bully Kim Jong-un worked earlier. You, When, when they are coming at you, you must punch, punch back and punch back harder, not acquiesce. Did it work for him when President Trump came out and, and got specific and said the names of who they wanted? No, it didn't work. Then they just came out and said, well, it wasn't honest, it wasn't sincere, or you waited too long. He's never going to be able to please them because they are not coming from a place of honesty. They are coming from a place of trying to smear him, to trying to smear Republicans. It's all about politics. Did it, did it work back when the Confederate, when the Dukes of Hazards was taken off the air? Did it work then? No. There's a group of, hat tip to a group of African-Americans or blacks in Dallas, actually, they are saying, led by uh, former city council member Sandra Crenshaw, she's saying that removing the statues won't, won't help. She says, I'm, I posted this on Facebook this morning. I said, what's with all of a sudden these inanimate objects having so much power over people? Well, uh, Sandra Crenshaw, she says removing the statues won't help. She says, I'm not intimidated by Robert E. Lee's statute. She says, why do we want to think African-Americans are supportive of this? She goes on to say that, uh, you know, removal takes away real progress and change. And you know what? I agree. And that's why they're taking these down. That's why they're doing this. Because they don't want progress. They don't want change. They don't want anything healed. They want to divide us. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to get Pastor Scott on the phone and hear what he has to say. Don't go anywhere. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. 
Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. I got to tell you guys, it's it's quite a morning right right here for us at AM 1170 here in the studios. I showed up at the station this morning. I got a crink in my neck so bad I, could, I couldn't even lift my head off the pillow. I come in and our programming director, Chris, he's in no better shape than me because we got a lot of sick, sick board ops and engineers out today. So, Chris, thank you so much. That's why I didn't start the show by saying hat tip welcome and like I usually do to my buddy DJ Carrot Sticks. He's home and sick right now. So, but filling in and doing a great job. Is, is my buddy Chris, programming director. Thank you so much. And holding on the line patiently is none other than Pastor Daryl Scott. He's the leader of Trump's National Diversity Coalition, and he's all over the media these days. And thank goodness for that, because he's short on time with me today because he's but he, because he's he's much needed in a lot of places, but he's never short on wisdom in these matters. Pastor Scott, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And let me say this, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> you saying all those good things I'm like I wonder who she's talking about I'd like to meet this guy I'd like to hear whoever this guy is she's talking about oh goodness well you know you got some wisdom and that's and, and you and it's not just the wisdom that you have but it's how you how you speak it how you express it it's one reason why President Trump brought you into his campaign a while back and so I've, I've, I've had my eyes on you and been wanting you on the show for a while and what a better opportunity I can't think of a better opportunity than what's happened in Charlottesville and um I was saying before the break that I was a little disappointed that Trump actually came out and corrected himself a couple of days later and getting more specific. And let me tell you why. Because I think that his initial response that there's bigotry on both sides and all around, and this has been going on for a long time and it needs to stop, I thought was the right thing to say. And I think all he did was give it when he came out and clarified, it's not that his words concerned me, it's that he's still feeding that he's still by giving in to the bullies, he's only emboldening them because he is not to blame for what happened in Charlottesville. There's nothing about him or his campaign or his administration that's racist. And to me, it's just giving it oxygen. What do you think about that? I, I concur wholeheartedly. Um, I, I don't think it was necessary for him to come back and to be more specific in his statement. In fact, my very first statement that I made when I became aware of the incident in Charlottesville was quite similar to the president's. And actually, I made a statement before he did, and I simply said, we, on behalf of the National Diversity Coalition, that we denounced the violence of all of the hate groups involved. And to me, that was sufficient. I didn't have to specify mm-hmm. and, and go down the line and say, uh, neo-Nazis, Ku Klux Klan, Aryan Brotherhood, or whoever <laughs> else. I, I, I covered that, and I thought it was very sufficient right. what he did. Right. Um, and let me say this, you know, um, I, I, I said it on last night to someone, they asked me why was it that white supremacist groups seem to gravitate to the president. And I said, well, that's because the left wing media drove them towards the president. They said, well, what do you mean? I said, they labeled him early on as a racist. 
Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the white supremacist said, oh, if he, if he is indeed one of us, then this will be our candidate of choice. Mm-hmm. If they had labeled me, if they had came on in the campaign and said, well, Daryl Scott is a dog lover, then all of the dog lovers would have gravitated towards me, whether I love dogs or not. Well, I hope you and do no love dogs. How much I might have said, I hate dogs, even though I do love dogs. I said, <laughs> I hate dogs. And the media kept saying, no, he loves dogs. Then that's why he became the candidate of choice for those groups. They're Americans. They're going to vote for somebody. Right. So we're going to vote for the one that the media has told us most reflects our views, whether he really reflects them or not. Yeah, that's and no a- matter how much the president insists that he's not a racist and his history demonstrates that he's not a racist, they're going to keep trying to label him that as well. Uh, you I know, mean, I'm glad did, you... He did a job of landing. He said, Lion Ted and Crooked Hillary and Low Energy Jeb, well, they got him too. They said racist Trump. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's a that's a really good, you know, explanation for why they're supporting him. They got to support somebody, you know, and and, and I think there's also that there's a lot of projection going on from the left, because if they we don't we want to talk about history of racism. You know, I asked somebody yesterday in a debate show, I said, why is it that you guys are working so hard to scrub these monuments? Is it because you want you don't want Americans to know the truth about who was behind slavery, behind the KKK, who who fought against the civil rights legislation and the civil rights movement? It was not the Republicans. You know, it was not Donald Trump who did a video memorial to a former head of the KKK. That was Hillary Clinton. And and I would like your thoughts uh, before you came on the show. I said that not only is President Trump not responsible for the racial divisions that are going on in this country and these types of of situations that have been going on uh, now for a long time, uh, he actually inherited a much more divisive racially nation than we were prior to President Obama taking office. How is it that the that we are in a worse place in race relations right now after eight years of the first black president? Because, first of all, I don't think America as a whole is as racially divided as the media would have us to believe in. In other words, I'll say this. All the black people aren't waking up in the morning hating all the white people. All the white people don't wake up hating all the black people. There is a segment that's given an audience by the media because they want to fuel that narrative. They want to fuel that racial divide narrative for political purposes. If, if Hillary Clinton had won, race wouldn't be an issue in America. Mm-hmm. But because President Trump won, they're trying to make it an issue. Now, go back to what you were saying. President Obama, in, in, his, in his administration, he was able to um, release himself for accountability by playing the race card whenever it was convenient. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't pass a law. It's because I'm black. Yeah. Oh, uh, they're criticizing me. It's because I'm black. He played that card very effectively throughout his uh, administration. He came in as the unifier, remember? Oh, yeah. He campaigned on the on the premise that he will become the unifier. I have a white mother and a black father, and I'm in between, and I'm going to unify the races. Once he got in, he played the black card. And in fact, we remember how long it took him to denounce Jeremiah Wright, yeah. the black nationalist that he sat under for 20 years. Mm-hmm. He, he, you see how long it took for him to do that. And so he's played the race card to maximum effectiveness. Wait, wait, hold up, Pastor Scott. Are you saying you didn't believe uh, President Obama when he said he sat in that pew for 20 years and never paid attention to a sermon? I bet nobody ever sat in your pews and and didn't listen to your sermons, right? 
The only part of the sermon he didn't pay attention to was the part when they collected tithes and offerings. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he gave, Jeremiah Wright, the man never paid a tithe. He gave like $100 in 20 years. That's the part he didn't pay attention to. He, he titled his book, uh, The Audacity, what was that, The Audacity of Hope? Of hope. And he, he titled that after a message preached by his pastor. Yeah. Um, I've got to ask you, I know that my time is running short with you. I'm concerned with the a lot of the um, new movements to segregate among uh, um, uh, minority groups. The, a report I saw this morning from the College Fix, I think this article was actually on, on Drudge, talked about at, at a school, University of San Francisco, separating, segregating out uh, orientations and having separate orientations for black students as opposed to white students to specifically address black student needs. You know, when I was at LSU, you know, my I used the same books as the black students used. We all sat in the same desk. We all had the same need that the teachers knew what the heck they were talking about and teaching us, and we were going to get our money's worth for the, for the tuition. To me, I you know, it just seems like we're really going backwards in this country. And, you know, what? how do we, how do we reverse this course? What are your thoughts about the self-segregation movement going on uh, here that's today? Actually, that's like the stupidest stuff I've ever heard in my life. Is very stereotypical. What are black student needs? Uh, I mean, what? Uh, uh, I, I don't even know what a black student need as, a, as opposed to a white student need is. Maybe they're talking about musical taste or something. I don't know. Maybe yeah. the, like the blacks need to hear rap music, the whites need to hear pop. I don't know what they're talking <laughs> about because that sounds absolutely and utterly ridiculous. And I really believe whoever's behind it did it for the sake of money. <laughs> ah. to try to introduce that and maybe they can get some university money funneled in that direction or tunneled in that direction you know these people are playing the race card very very effectively these days and they're capitalizing on it and there's a large segment of the left wing media that are capitalizing upon the events in Charlottesville simply to drive that news cycle because mm-hmm. they don't have anything negative to talk about they don't talk about the fact that he made that the president made little Kim stand down over in North Korea right that's right. And made him back off. Well, I they don't want to talk about that. Right. And this Russian narrative has gotten old, and yeah. so they need something negative to say about the president. Yeah. Um. Uh, last thought to me, when it comes to money, I think that you know I come I come from very humble, actually poor roots. I mean, I got a grandmother who worked in the textile factory. They made the movie Norma Ray about it. It was so bad. You know, I mean, it, you know, my my dad grew my mother grew up without any indoor plumbing in South Mississippi. We in her side was was um, Native Americans, and you know, to me. You know, from the money standpoint, telling people that they're victims and that they don't have any hope in this country, that this country is just is that they're victims of an oppressive country, uh, to me, does them harm in the long run. Yes, I, I believe you're right. But here's the thing. They've been able to place the left has placed a face on people's disenfranchisement. The face is Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still in touch with the boys in the hood, the, the, the black guys on the street. Trump's message resonates with the, the, the lower economic class and the, the middle economic class and the public that be on the left and the Democratic Party and the, and, and the black community. They're aware of that. So they have to continue to play on emotions that tell our community, no matter what he says or no matter what he does, he hates you. Yeah. And it's justifying them because if they take that away, 
you know, you have people that are poor. Well, Donald Trump is the face of your poverty. Mm-hmm. You, you live in bad communities. Donald Trump is the face of your bad community. When in actuality, he's the one trying to help and enhance and change that community. And they don't want that message to get out because he smashed everybody in 2016. Yeah. And he's going to smash them again in 2020. <laughs> yeah, ooh, we are. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to let you go because I know you got to get over. I think it is to uh, MSNBC or somewhere. Pastor yeah, Darrell, listen, I enjoy this. I enjoy doing radio with you. I don't have to put clothes on. I don't have to have my hair combed. <laughs> I don't have to put on makeup. I can chill. So I love it. So anytime you keep my contact number, that's my cell phone. Anytime I'm uh, there. Oh, thank you so much, Pastor Daryl Scott. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. All right. Oh, what a fun talking to him. We're going to take a quick break. We got more Andrea K show coming right back up. Don't go anywhere. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. I just love that Pastor Daryl Scott. I fell in love with him back during uh, the primary and then even during the general election. I just thought he was, you know, just absolutely amazing. And, you know, hat tip to him, you know, to be honest, you know, about uh, what's going on with Trump and about race relations. I I wish I'd had a little bit more time with him because I, I feel as though... You know, do you guys remember when Eric Holder said that America, I think he said something like America was too scared to have an honest conversation uh, about race? Well, no, I think that America is more than prepared and more than willing and able to have a conversation about race. But the problem is the left only wants to hear what they want to hear. And I think the perfect example of that is what Trump, uh, his his statement on Charlottesville, no, it didn't meet their standards. And then when he corrected it to meet their standards, well, it came too late because they're never going to be happy because it's really not about an honest conversation that they want to have. It's about power. It's about tyranny. It's about the unequal treatment of some people under the guy, the false guise of equality. And I can't think of a better example of that then what I was talking about with uh, Pastor Scott of the segregation, uh, San Fr- uh, University of San Francisco, trying to uh, self-segregate black students. Here's a little bit more about um, what this is about. It's about, quote, unearned access to social power based on membership and a dominant social group uh, as though basically it's putting down white people to elevate black people, basically, under the false guise of equality. That's not equality. When you've got students walking around with T-shirts saying, if you're confident that the police exist to protect you, you have white male privilege. 
having holidays off to work denotes Christian privilege? How does that, is that what Martin Luther King marched for? I thought he marched for equality. You're supposed to be judged by the content of your character. Uh, This, this, uh, the organizer of this, the professor at University of San Francisco says identity development, her research area is identity development for black, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender adolescents and emerging adults. What? This is, this is nothing but identity politics. But worse, it's about identity politics in a way that subjugates one group of people for another. Has the pendulum just swung the other direction? And no doubt I'm going to get in trouble for asking that question. I sure think it swung in the other direction. When the vice mayor who was involved in Charlottesville, the man who illegally pulled the permit of protesters who were coming to protest the tearing down of a statute because he didn't want them to protest against a statute. He just felt like he had the right to deny them their constitutional rights. Who is this vice mayor? His name is Wes Bellamy. Let me read you a couple of tweets from Mr. Bellamy. Bellamy, I don't like white people, so I hate white snow. Another tweet from his. So sad seeing these beanpole body white women in these sundresses, shaking my head. LOL, funniest thing about being down south is seeing little white men and the look on their faces when they have to look up to you. He's got a few other ones using the N-word. This one, this N just said he don't have to work as long as it's white women walking the earth. Nobody's talking about this. I tried to bring this up uh, last night in my debate on One America. And, you know, I I I was told by the Democrat strategist, oh, it's not about him. Well, you know what? Maybe it should be. Why is it so one sided? I'm glad President Trump spoke out against the KKK and other white supremacists. But that's not enough. Because this needs to be spoken down against. The Black Lives Matter movement, Antifa, what is going on here is fascism on the part of the left through the identity politics game, and it must be called out. I am not going to apologize for being white. I was born that way. I'm not going to apologize for being a woman. I have not had no privilege in my life. I'm the first person in my family who went to college, and I paid for it myself working five nights a week as a waitress. There was no privilege in my life. And oh, by the way, one summer as a political science major, when I wanted to get a job for the government in New Orleans, I was told that those jobs didn't go to white kids. They only went to black kids. That's truth. That's fact. How about we, how about we have some equality going on here? I'm going to take a real quick break. We come back. We're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about Something that Daryl Scott said that nobody's talking about. We're going to talk about the success that President Trump had with North Korea. We were on the brink of nuclear war last week. Before the war broke out in Charlottesville. And now nobody's talking about the success. But this is an incredibly important story that we got to get to. And I've got an expert in foreign policy. Her name is Ann Pierce, who's going to be here on the other side of the break. So you don't want to miss it. Don't change that dial. It's the Andrea K. Show coming right back up. Be 
sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. So glad to have you all up here with me today. To everybody watching on Facebook Live, thank you so much. Keep those comments rolling. Wish I could chat online with everybody, but I, you know I'm not so great at chatting with you and with the guests on the phone. So thank you all so much for keeping that convo going. And thank you for keeping the show going, my buddy Chris programming director here at AM 1170, wearing all kinds of hats here today and keeping the AK show going. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh, last week everybody was saying, Trump, how how could he say to Kim Jong-un that he's going to be met with fire and fury? How could he use such language after Kim Jong-un threatened to drop a nuke on American citizens on Guam? Oh my gosh, he's bringing us to to the brink of nuclear war. He uh, uh, this it's just so reckless said John McCain. Well, it seems like we've got some good news on the front. Maybe Trump's rhetoric actually was the right thing to do. But I'm no expert in these areas, but my next guest is. She's Dr. Ann Pierce. She's a contributor to the Washington Times, ricochet.com, Real Clear Politics, the Washington Examiner, and she's the author of the book. She's also a long historian of American presidents and, and really is an expert in foreign policy. Her book is A Perilous Path, The Misguided Foreign Policy of Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and John Kerry. Remember him? Welcome to the Andrea K. Show, Ann Pierce. Thanks for having me. Okay, so... Um, uh, everybody's talking about uh, the war of sorts that erupted in Charlottesville, but we were on the brink of nuclear war last week. At least a lot of people thought we were, which is why they were so hysterical with President Trump's response to Kim Jong-un. But it seems like it kind of worked, didn't it? Well, I think what is especially working is the whole array of new policies that this administration has put into place. And what President Trump especially does not get credit for is having this very powerful foreign policy team, from Nikki Haley in the U.N. to Madison as Secretary of State, Tillerson as Secretary of Defense, and he has listened to them collectively about North Korea. And what they decided very quickly was that previous um, policies of reaching out to North Korea, trying to engage with the regime, trying to negotiate with the regime, had been an utter failure. Because if you look at Obama, Clinton, and Kerry, no matter how many times North Korea backed out of negotiations, 
refused to participate in negotiations and blatantly violated previous negotiating terms, their overall strategy was to offer yet more carrots in the mm-hmm. hopes that North Korea would eventually come around. And people who say, well, sanctions and pressure have already been tried, so don't worry about that. No, that's not true. The, the only sanctions that they applied were incremental and minimalistic. They never put the full pressure of us and our allies on North Korea. So now we fast forward today and we see North Korea has had the exponential progress of its nuclear and missile programs and um, is, is able to make these threats toward the United States in a more credible way. So we had no choice but to mm-hmm. completely revamp our policies, and that is what actually has been done. And it's, it goes way beyond rhetoric. We have increased sanctions on North Korea and its enablers. We have ratcheted up and sped up plans for missile defenses. We've been conducting increasing military exercises in Asia and working very, very hard night and day to isolate North Korea and to convince allies and um, partners to mobilize with us to actually enforce the sanctions, because that's another problem. Mm -hmm. You get the sanctions in place, but then who enforces them? So this all-hands-on-deck policy is reaping some rewards, but we still have a very grave threat in the form of North Korea uh, being now a nuclear power, Mm -hmm. uh, now has probably successfully miniaturized nuclear warheads that can go on these new intercontinental ballistic missiles it has. So we still have this very grave problem. Well, yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned that it does go beyond rhetoric, because that was one of the things that concerned me is that, you know, the the people on both sides, including John McCain and Lindsey Graham and those those people who pretend that they're hawks, but, it, it, you know, really didn't, they weren't squealing like a pig caught under a gate when Bill Clinton, you know, set all this up and when Obama, you know, basically did nothing all these years. Um, you know, it's really not, you know, being being nice and using sweet words isn't working. You have to have a multi-pronged offense. It's kind of like a football game. And, you know, um, you you have to you have to have your running game, but you also have to be willing to throw a long ball pass and complete that pass. And, you know, so you have to be working the diplomatic angle at the same time you're prepared for, you know, to use force. You have to have a, an on. They have to believe that you're going to be willing to use force every weapon that we have in our arsenal. arsenal. Yeah, right? I agree with that. And, um, you know, so I have actually my own mixed view of Trump's rhetoric. I think it's good that we are um, using strong rhetoric. We've been so milquetoast toward this mm-hmm. awful regime, this regime that c- commits atrocities really so much for never again. I mean, what right. I often say about North Korea, they don't just have camps. The whole country, in a way, is a concentration camp. It yeah. is so totally oppressive. So um, I am for uh, tough rhetoric, but what, uh, when Trump said they will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen if they keep making these threats, I did worry that that would undermine our credibility to some extent because North Korea makes threats every day. Mm-hmm. I think right. what we need to be saying is we, are, uh, we need to show we mean it, too, that we are actually mm-hmm. putting money toward increased military defenses, increased right. deterrence. And um, absolutely, you're right. We need to back up what we're saying with the fact that we could use force if we had to. Yes. Yeah, you know, um, I don't think anybody, excuse me for interrupting, I don't think anybody ever believed Obama. 
Well, why would they after he drew a, a, a line, a red line in the sand in invisible ink? So I think when President Trump makes that kind of statement backed up with a lot of the other machinations and movements and things that are going on, you know, I think Kim Jong-un realized who he was dealing with. And yeah, Kim Jong-un has come back and said now, I think his statement was, you know, well, we're going to we're going to watch, you know, the the actions, the reckless actions or whatever of the of the Yankees. But he's basically re- I don't know, he's coming across to me as like the Barney Fife, stop or I'll say stop again. But I think Trump is coming across as somebody who means it. But I would like to maybe see, tell me if you think my strategy is wrong, and it's actually not mine. I heard somebody talking the other day saying, we need to build up a force around that area. We need to make sure that they know that we have nuclear subs kind of surrounding that area over there. And we and maybe we need to have kind of a NATO of the Pacific Rim set up over there and almost show a buildup of force to almost make it look like we're about to, to preemptively strike. What do you think of that strategy? I do think we need a buildup of force. And thank goodness South Korea, which um, has this new very progressive president who was going to return to these failed sunshine policies of engagement um, with North Korea and was even thinking about rejecting our own missile defenses, which would help South Korea more than anyone else. Um, even they're so alarmed that they're turning away now from that idea, and they're saying, yes, bring in these missile defenses. We need mm-hmm. them. And uh, we do have U.S. Navy destroyers sailing um, within 12 nautical miles of one of China's artificial islands recently, and I, I do think that we need uh, a show of force over there. You know, China has been... Um, undergoing this major military expansion and modernization while we've been looking the other way. And part of that is it's been building these islands all over the South China Sea and beyond, and then it's militarizing the islands. So when we really cannot assume what China might do if there were war, China is no friend of us. China doesn't want all hell to break loose on the uh, Korean Peninsula. But um, again, when you see what China's done recently, some of this pressure this administration is putting on appears to have an effect. China did um, go along with those strong UN sanctions recently passed, and then it actually came out and showed it meant that it was going along with that, and it ordered its own banning of imports of coal, iron ore, and lead, um, from North Korea. So we, we've got to keep the pressure on China, too. And there, there are some results um, that we can point to in that area. But the problem is that we seem to have to keep learning again and again and again to not wait until the threat is grave to apply major, major pressure on extremist aggressor regimes. So here we are again. We were supposed to have learned that for once and for all after World War II. Mm-hmm. Don't bury your head in the sand. Don't retreat from the world stage. You know, right. Don't look the other way when a hostile power is um, putting together um, a, a weapons program and accelerating mm-hmm. atrocities and hostilities and making threats. Well, what have we done with North yeah. Korea? We have <laughs> yeah. Again, well, we've done, our head in the sand. Well, we've also done that with uh, other parts of the world as well. I mean, we've got Iran, you know, in the process of, of getting a nuke. And after World War II, though, wasn't it that when What's-His-Face came out with the military-industrial complex? That was, the, you know, here we are after we be, finally, you know, saved the world from Nazi Germany. You know, then it was the military is is, is the bad guy. And, and I think that's, that's a huge part of it. I think we also had, you know, um, President George Bush after 9-11, I think there was there was a, and the threat of radical Islam and Islamic terrorism. I think there was a mindset that you know we, we're not fighting nation states anymore, 
and we don't have to worry yeah, about that. Exactly. That we've got a different exactly we've got a different right. enemy, and so you know we've allowed our military to become depleted, and that's from both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. that have done that. And in the movie Dinesh D'Souza's movie 2016, he said at the end of at the end of 2016, you know, uh, you will see a militarily and economically neutered America under President Obama, and that's exactly where we were with the rise of radical Islam and the Muslim Brotherhood in the Middle East. So President Trump has inherited quite a mess, as well as 20 trillion dollars in debt and not really the budget, you know, to really rebuild the military, but we must, correct? Oh, I, we absolutely, we have to, uh, we have to really revamp our military. We have no choice. And um, I'm glad you referred to World War II and, and what President Truman did after that, because that is the reason the first chapter of my book, A Perilous Path, is Forgotten History and Lessons of World War II and the Cold War. And then I go on in the book, and I have chapters on Iran, Syria, Russia, you know, North Korea, China, Egypt, and, and, and on and on. And um, the problem with that foreign policy that Obama, Clinton, and Kerry adopted was that it did reject that whole um, post-World War II order that presidents from Truman to Eisenhower to uh, Kennedy and Reagan worked so hard to build up. And they rejected the idea of peace through strength, and they downgraded our defenses, de-emphasized our ideals, reached out to the world's worst dictators and offered to negotiate with them without any preconditions. And then um, most alarming now, we can't help but notice that they were inadequately focused on growing threats from hostile regimes and extremist groups. So here we have this worldwide mess right now. The Mm -hmm. world is in quite the precarious state, and it's time to really have level-headed and strong policies. And it's time to not listen to Susan Rice, who says, oh, you know what? It ain't no big deal. The North Korea's got nukes. It ain't no big deal. We, we just need to tolerate it. Well, you know, why didn't you tell the American people, President Obama, when you were running for office in 2008, that you were cool with North Korea getting the nukes? Because that's the truth. Yeah, and they, exactly. they really weren't honest, right? Neither, neither was Hillary Clinton. Tell everybody how they can get your book. Oh, um, well, uh, any of the major bookstores, and I do have a website, it's Anne with an E-R-Pierce.com, and on that website I have a lot of my foreign policy articles and links to the book and um, information about the book, so that's a a way to find out a little about it before going ahead and purchasing it. Awesome. Well, you know what? I was going to let you go, but I can't without asking this last question. What do you think about the shakeups in the administration and people like KT McFarlane and others being pushed out? Yeah, you know, I um, I sometimes think that Trump can take it too far uh, in, in, in terms of allowing these personal relationships to become so personal. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, I, I see the other side of it, that he is dealing with this constant flood of leaks coming out of his administration and... Um, and a media that absolutely positively wants to bring him down. And mm-hmm. I can't even imagine the frustration. So yeah. I, um, I tend to look less at these personnel in- issues because I feel like I'm just up, up to my head and beyond with all the policy yeah. issues I'm writing about and <laughs> yeah. dealing with. But, uh, yeah, you just wish that there could be some stability in terms of the message coming out and in terms mm-hmm. of... Um, some kind of fair assessment of his policies. Because like I said, uh, well, I actually have come to the conclusion that Obama's smooth rhetoric so often made his policies seem so much better than they were. Mm -hmm. And sometimes 
Trump's abrasive rhetoric can make the policies seem less good than they are. And um, it makes it so easy for the media to say, Trump said this, he said this, he said this, and not to acknowledge policies that are actually mm-hmm. a vast improvement. And, and that mm-hmm. includes on human rights, by the way. You can look at a lot of areas in the world and say, wow, this, mm-hmm. this is actually um, a better human rights policy from Iran to Venezuela to Cuba to mm-hmm. Al-Qaeda and ISIS and even China. Mm-hmm. This administration is um, taking a, a better stand for human rights than the previous. But that, when do you ever see anything about that? Well, you and you you wouldn't about him even if he was a smooth talker. But I think you hit the nail on the head, and I think the American people sense that. I think that after eight years of Obama, who they gave him a second chance because he was a smooth talker, he outsmooth talked Romney in 2012. The results didn't match the smooth talking rhetoric. You know, he was he was that man who sweeps you off your feet with the with the roses and the chocolates, and you know he promises you know you the world, and then you find out he's cheating on you with all your girlfriends. You know, and then <laughs> right. it, yeah. You're right. And then in comes, you know, this this rough guy who may have dirt under his fingernails, but he ends up being, you know, you know, a, a much better choice. So, you know, and I think the American people, that's why I think they forgave him a lot of the stuff that came out, you know, nasty comments or whatever, because, you know, they wanted to they wanted to give him a chance to have better results because that matters to the American people who are trying to feed their kids, figure out, pay the light bill, you know, and all of that. And Pierce, thank you so much for being here. The book is... Um, a Perilous Path, The Misguided Foreign Policy of Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and John Kerry. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. We are going to shift gears when we get back from the break. we got some pop culture segments to talk about. we got a little news you can use. Because you know what? The American people are more worried right now about how to pay the bills, whether or not they can buy a home fulfill live out the american dream than they are exactly the words that trump used regarding charlottesville so stay tuned we got more andrea k show coming right back up be sure to follow andrea k on twitter at andrea k show and follow her on facebook and like her fan page at andrea k spelled k-a-y-e my fellow americans before i leave i have two words to say do not listen to the uh, Andrea K Show. Uh, Obama out. Wait a second. That wasn't two words. That was eight words. Don't listen to him. Listen to the Andrea K Show Monday and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. right here on AM 1170, The Answer. I'm so in love with me. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. We are rolling along here. We're actually, we're into our final segment of the show. So this is where I like to get, I, I give you a lot of my opinions throughout the show. And once I get towards the end, I like to share a little, some news you can actually use. Something to go, can take out in your life. And you know what? It, it's like I was talking about with my foreign policy expert, Ann Pierce, in the, in the last segment. You know, everybody's ringing, hand ringing over exact words that President Trump used in Charlottesville. But you know what? The average American is trying to figure out how they can do right by their kids, uh, you know, uh, pay all the bills on time. In San Diego, we have, in some ways, the best housing market we've had in history and in some ways the worst because it's really difficult to buy a home here in San Diego right now. It's great news if you're a seller. If you're a buyer, it can also be great news if you're coming off of selling a home you had a lot of equity in. But it is, it, it's a 
we've got record prices in housing right now and there's no easy solutions for some people out there. But I know a gal who's an expert in real estate who's a part of the show, Julie Mills Brennan. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Hi, Andrea. Okay, so um, it is the best of times and is the worst of times in real estate in San Diego. It's the best of times if you're trying to sell. And then if you want to buy, if you've got a lot of equity that you're coming off a sale to go and, and buy, that's great. Um, but we've also got a lot of low and middle income people that don't necessarily have that situation. And so these are tough times for them to buy, correct? Correct. So um, there's a couple of options that I wanted to explore with you today. One of which, um, you know, we, we all love the HGTV shows. Um, I love House Hunters International. I love all the home shopping shows where people go around and they look at all these already completely refurbished, amazing model homes that, you know, are turnkey. And, you know, and if you've got an unlimited budget, it's fabulous. But that's not necessarily, if you're a first time a buyer in San Diego, you might need to adjust your expectations, correct? Right, right. No, you might need to, you know, work at work a little bit to make that home something special along the road and not maybe have it be immediate because it, the turnkey ones are definitely more expensive. And honestly, they're not always the best because you have these flippers, which are, you know, of course, the investors and they, you know, they do things super cheaply. I mean, they just want to turn it, make it pretty, put some lipstick on it and make mm-hmm. a quick buck. And it's not always the, you know, the best craftsmanship and it's just not the, always the best materials either. Well, yeah, and it doesn't necessarily uh, even match your taste, you know, to, you know, I, I, right. I, I saw that you had a listing in an area in San Diego that's super popular right now. I heard last weekend I was out with friends and they said this area in San Diego, Claremont, that the housing, and I don't know if this is true or not, but they had heard that the houses in Claremont are increasing $10,000 a house, I think, every month. I mean, this is an area that's exploding because it's kind of close to the freeways. It's kind of centrally located. You can get to the beaches within minutes. You can get anywhere within minutes right. in San Diego. So then I saw that Julie... Exactly. Had a house in Claremont that was a fixer-upper for six fifty, which may sound high if you're listening to me in you know Texas, but that's a great deal <laughs> in Claremont. But you got to bring a little imagination to it and be willing to bring a little elbow grease. But you know what? If you're willing to open up your your mind that way, it's even better than buying a turnkey home because you can make it your own and have it match your style. Right? People need exactly. to maybe start yeah. thinking about this. Right. No, exactly. I mean, you know, if you want to have other people's upgrades, then then fine. And if you can't, don't have any imagination, then then maybe that's just the way you're going to have to do it. But if if you have some imagination, then yeah, you, you have a clean palette to start fresh, do what you want. You know, you might choose dark hardwoods, you might want light flooring. I mean, who knows, you might want all carpet. Right. So, you know, I mean, the good thing, though, I mean, just to toot my horn about that listing is that, you know, it does seem high at 650. Actually, the seller might be a little bit more negotiable than that. But the big draw to that house is it's on a, um, a canyon lot. Oh. So, I mean, there are homes for cheaper in Claremont, but that's, you know, you don't get a, usually a canyon lot for that. I mean, this is like views. That's views. You don't, yeah. Yeah. You don't have anybody behind you. That's amazing. While I've got you on the phone, there's also another scenario that, that has come to my attention. And that is people who have the money to buy, they get into these bidding wars. And then because it's a bidding war, there's not a proper time for them to get good inspections done to make sure that they're not ending up with this issue that they wasn't brought to their attention. Is there something that you can do if you find out you've bought a home, the inspection was not done properly, you've already closed and now your owner and something wasn't disclosed and there was an issue? 
Well, then unfortunately, you'll, you'll probably have to go back to the seller for non-disclosure. But, you know, typically I don't see that happening. Normally, even if it's a, a bidding war, they'll at least usually give you a week to do inspections because, I mean, you need all buyers need to do their due diligence and they really need to have, a, you know, some time. I've had it even be less, but you know what? I can get an inspector out within two days. I mean, it's just... Okay. You just, it might not be your favorite inspector, but, you know, there's a several accredited ones that are in San Diego that are part of the special association for, you know, home inspectors that are good. Yeah. So, you know, the bottom line is if you have someone, you know, you feel pressure, then you need to still be able to have a right to an inspection. Your agent should definitely push for that. Now, should an agent, agent push their own inspector or somebody independent? Uh, well, I mean, you know, we we just recommend people that we know ha- that, that are good. You know, I mean, we, I fired several of them because I, they I, at the end they weren't good. I mean, they gotcha. I would get, in, you know, getting problems after. So now I kind of keep a, a good book of who's good. But okay. you know, a buyer always has to say yeah. who they want to use, okay. and um, you know, they can choose whoever they want. We just go, they, we just give them recommendations. All you right. know. Well, how can people get a hold of you, Miss Julie? Okay, 619-992-7113. Give me a call, buying, selling, whatever you need. I can do units. Just give me a call. All right, thanks so Thank much. Thank you so much. I think I know somebody that might be interested in that Claremont house. So I think I'm, okay, I think, I, yeah, I'm going to have them get in touch with you. All right. Um, Perfect. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, lovely lady. All right, we are rounding out. It's the, it's the finale of the Andrea K Show. It's that best time of the week in which we give out our awards. Our awards for Hero of the Week and Stink of the Week. Um, you know, I always put it out there to you all as to who should be the... I struggle every week to come up with a Hero of the Week. Um, you know, I, somebody... So I always put it out there to you guys. Somebody said, well, you know what? There's no obvious hero this week. How about the average American? Because there's always a little bit of a hero in each of us. And that's a great suggestion. Um, but then on the way in, I heard this morning of a Marine who died in a helicopter crash. A local Marine here in San Diego died in the helicopter crash in Mississippi. There is a service for him today, as well as three missing Marines in an Osprey crash. So I really think that the hero of the week should continue to go this week to our American heroes who risk their life every day and put their lives on the line to fight for our freedoms, to fight for the freedoms of everybody, whether they like their speech or not. And even those people in Charlottesville, that's who our American heroes fight for because our constitutional principles aren't necessarily for people that you like or even for speech that you like. It's, it's for, or whether or not you like a statute, it's constitutional rights for all. My stink of the week, speaking of that, my stink of the week is um, all of those on the left, including the, the media, the vice mayor of Charlottesville, and all those that don't want rights for all, that, that are part of that fascist left that are trying to silence us, trying to silence us through tyrannical means, trying to silence our speech, trying to bully us physically and otherwise through Antifa and other movements. There is no place for that in this country. We have gotten to where we, this is what this movement is about is it's ultimately about criminalizing politics and particularly conservative politics. That's what every topic that we talked about today, every aspect of the Charlottesville story is about that. It's about a fascist left trying to shut us down, trying to silence opposition, trying to tear down America so that they can turn it into their Marxist utopia. And we are not going to let it happen. Hey, thanks for everybody watching on Facebook Live. Thank you, Chris, for stepping in and helping me today. Thank you to my amazing guest. Love you all. Have a great week, everybody.